Shalom. Welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein, and I have the privilege of being your host, coming to you from the Judean mountains here in Israel. I like to refer to it as the original Bible Belt. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis 123 Foundation, whose mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. I pray you will find this, all of those. Through this program, we are excited to be connecting you to people and stories in and related to Israel to give you a window to look through about aspects of life here that you might not otherwise know about. We want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com or at genesis123.co and send along any questions about any topic anytime. Also, please feel free to share this with people who you know who will find it of interest. Today's guest both needs no introduction, and yet no introduction can legitimately suffice. Dr. Michael Brown is the founder and president of Ask Dr. Brown Ministries and the Fire School of Ministry. He is the host of the popular daily, nationally syndicated radio show, The Line of Fire, and in addition to his own radio show, he also hosts shows on God TV, METV here in Israel and the Middle East, and NRB TV. Dr. Brown is the author of countless articles and more than 40 books, including Our Hands Are Stained with Blood, The Tragic Story of the Church and the Jewish People, which has been translated into more than 12 languages, and Christian Antisemitism, Confronting the Lies in Today's Church. I highlight these because they relate to the topic about which I had the privilege of co-authoring an article together with Dr. Brown, Confronting the Antisemitism of Rick Wiles. Dr. Brown became a believer in 1971 as what he likes to call himself a 16-year-old heroin-shooting, LSD-using Jewish rock drummer. While I never asked how good a drummer he was, but I know he's bright, articulate, thoughtful, and caring. Since the 1970s, he has preached widely throughout America and around the world. Dr. Brown holds a PhD in Near Eastern Languages and Literature from New York University and has served as a visiting or adjunct professor at South uh, Southern Evangelical Seminary, Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, Fuller Theological Seminary, Denver Theological Seminary, and King Seminary and the Regent University School of Divinity. He's been married to Nancy since 1976, and they have two daughters and four, grand, and four grandchildren. I've been privileged to co-offer an article with him on confronting anti-Semitism in the church and been hosted on his program a few times, but now it's a great excitement and privilege to host him on my program. Dr. Brown, welcome to Inspiration from Zion. Oh, it's my honor and joy to be with you. Thank you for the gracious introduction, and, and thanks for having me on the show. Well, it's a pleasure to have you, and it's real sincere. Uh, we're going to get into a topic that's um, that's pretty intense and, and real important for us as Christians and Jews together because of... Um, because of uh, ripples made in, in, in biblical and uh, historic accuracy, but also in terms of how it, uh, how it applies to, uh, to, to modern history and, and, and politics and diplomacy. Uh, we're calling this the trial of Jesus the Palestinian. Um, and before we jump in, um, no holds barred, but I do feel it's important to, to um, issue a disclaimer of sorts. There, there are a lot of tangents that we could easily get into, and I'm sure people listening will want to know about this and want to know about that. 
But I, uh, I recognize, and through our conversation today, certainly do not seek to delegitimize the fact that there is a large Arab minority here living in the modern state and biblical land of Israel. I don't delegitimize um, their nationalist aspirations. As an Israeli, I don't want to rule over them. Um, but I, but I have a deep conflict with what the um, historic accuracy of their case is. Um, now, I don't believe that you and I have ever spoken about this specifically, and I'm not sure I know your views, so you feel free to chime in. But I suspect that, like me, um, you'll pray, you are praying for all of them, especially those who are engaged in supporting terror and delegitimization of Israel. Um, I know that I think, uh, I believe very firmly that if the facts and truth can't change their heart, at least we know that God can change their heart, and especially in the wake of the recent terror attack that took place in Jerusalem. And I'm sure you join me in praying uh, for that, but can you jump in and just any comment about this? Because I don't want people to jump on us and, sure. and lose the focus of what our conversation is going to be. Right. It's one question to ask about the claim that Jesus, quote, was a Palestinian. That's, that's one thing. It's another thing to say that we want what's best for everyone living in the region. Uh, I, I am pro-Israel, meaning I believe that, that this is our ancient homeland and that God himself reconstituted the modern state of Israel out of the ashes of the Holocaust to see the hand of God in that. At the same time, there are promises in the Bible to Arab peoples. There's the day that Isaiah speaks of with Egypt and Assyria, which is Iraq and beyond today, uh, along with Egypt worshiping the God of Israel together with Israel and, and God even calling Egypt my people. There are other promises to Arab peoples in the Bible. So I, I, I want what's best for everyone. I don't personally know the best solution for the current crisis, but I certainly want what's best for everyone. I want everyone to be able to, to live in peace and, and, and justice and with the ability to make fruitful decisions about future and not feel that they're restricted and hindered. Um, I do believe that, that Israel's goodwill to see this does go back decades, even if it's been carried out imperfectly. So I don't, I don't support every Israeli policy in any within Israel. There's constant debate, you know, the current government, how long will that last? And can it bring unity between the different right. sides? I mean, these are all big, big questions. But, you know, the old dictum that's been repeated over and again, that if the Palestinians, meaning the terrorists and those wanting to hurt, if they would put down their their weapons, there'd be no more war. If the Israelis put down their weapons, there'd be no more Israel. That's the reality from the Hamases of the world and from the terrorists. Somehow people of goodwill need to communicate because you have them on both sides to say, okay, how do we work this out? I don't know right. that there's a simple earthly solution, but it's interesting as a, uh, as a, a Messianic Jew and you as an Orthodox Jew, there is a sense of kinship that we have with the with the people in the region that are Arabic speaking, so they speak a sister language. There's there's a shared history in many ways. Uh, so I've always felt especially close to to Arab peoples and to Muslim Arabs in particular. Even though it's a different religion, there's so much commonality between us yes. that right. that to so having to, to me it's a matter of having God's heart for everyone in the region, and and that I believe is the position we should we should take. So I, I don't disagree with, I don't think with anything that you said. I think that's all all good. And we're starting this on the same page. Uh, but I know you well enough to know that you don't, that, that facts matter. And, and um, the, and, and 
therefore, as much as we can love our neighbor and are commanded to do so, that that these have to be based on accurate. Uh, however, this continues needs to be based on some sort of accuracy, um, even if we disagree. And, and and you and I had conversations, theological conversations, which is great about about those things upon which we we don't see the eye to eye. Having said that, you're you're as aware as anyone else in the world that the last number of years, this notion that Jesus was a Palestinian is gaining traction and more and more people are um are are are, are hearing this, are subscribing to it. And and in recent years, and you've got whether it's the political uh leadership here of the Palestinian Authority, certainly Hamas and and some uh political um pundits in the US uh some of which sit in the in Congress saying that Jesus was a Palestinian, Jesus was the first Palestinian, and to me, somewhat most egregiously, that Jesus was a Palestinian martyr. So I, I'm looking forward to setting the record straight, and and I wanted to do so. There, there's a lot of stuff in, uh, that we're going to, people listening are not going to fully understand. So I, one of the things I love, I think it was from the first time we met, you gave me a copy of your book, The Real Kosher Jesus. You explained the story about how you came to write it, that you had written an endorsement for your friend Rabbi Shmuley Boteach for mm-hmm. his book, Kosher Jesus. You gave me a copy of uh, of your book. You told me you wrote it th- in three days um, and didn't sleep. And and I don't know if I three ever... Week, three weeks, actually. Oh, three, three weeks? Days. Okay. Three, yeah, I yeah. gave you credit all this time for three days. Three weeks. <laughs> and um, you wrote an endorsement for him. He wrote an endorsement for you. I was uh, leaving Charlotte and driving south and spent a Shabbat in, in Savannah, Georgia, and and read your book all over Shabbat. There are things that we agree and disagree about vis-a-vis Jesus, but w- w- between you and, and Rabbi Botea, what are the things that we can agree upon in terms of Jesus and his identity? Yeah, there's a tremendous amount that we can agree on. We can agree that he was a first-century Jew whose name was Yeshua, that he was called Christ because his followers thought that he was the Messiah, that his mother's name was Miriam, comes into English as Mary, but Miriam, that he had disciples, Talmudim, with the names like Yaakov and Matit Yahu uh, and Shimon, so in other words, he was a first century Jewish teacher that although uh, this, there was not formal rabbinic ordination quite yet, that seems to be a, a generation or two later, he was called a rabbi as an honorific term, sometimes for a charismatic leader or a, a gifted teacher, they would teacher. be called rabbi. So he was rabbi, not reverend. He was not the son of Mr. and Mrs. Christ, but rather, as I said, (laughs) called Mashiach Christos because his followers believed that he was Messiah, that he made plain that he didn't come to abolish the Torah or the prophets, but to fulfill, that he himself lived a life recognizable as a first century Jew, uh, even to his garments. Uh, There's a couple of accounts of people reaching out to touch the the fringe of his garment because uh, that's just the the most uh, extreme part. If I could just even touch that, sure. I, I would be healed. Uh, so, so we agree on that. He attended synagogue, uh, which itself was a, a Pharisaic innovation. 
So even though he's in constant conflict with Pharisees and religious leaders, it's, it's, it's within the family. That's where the conflicts are arising. They're within the same family. They agree on the importance of Torah, but differ in terms of certain aspects of application. So I, I think we both agree on all those things. Uh, and, and in fact, the big question initially, uh, after, he, uh, after he died, and of course his believers, his followers said he rose from the dead, the big question was, well, what about the Gentiles who believe in him? Because initially the mission had been exclusively to his own Jewish people. Correct. And then it's recorded after his death and resurrection that he sends his disciples out to speak to everyone. So well, what happens now to the Gentile believers? And the book of Acts records that it was decided that they didn't have to become Jews to follow him. I mean, that's, that's how much oh, this Oh, I in. like how you said that's, that's brilliant. I, yeah, yeah, that's excellent. There was an inner Jewish movement. And, and what do we do? We're not Jews. He's the Jewish Messiah. So just, just to paint this picture as to how Jewish it was at its root and foundation. So I think, um, obviously, you and I differ about him rising from the dead, about him actually being the Messiah. But in terms of what was believed about him and recorded about him, I think everything I just said you would agree with. I, I it's a, it's an extraordinary foundation, and I and I so admire your ability. As this is completely unrehearsed, your ability just to uh, to to rattle all of those off as um, uh, thoroughly and articulately as you did. Um, you, you, before we jump into, I, I, I debated very strongly whether now to jump into the biblical text or to jump into the um, the the world history of the time. That of course overlays with the biblical biblical text, and I and I want to start with the world history, sure. because I think that there will be people, there will be people listening, who are either not Christian, not Messianic Jew, or 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 Jewish Orthodox or not, and not have a whole lot of um, agreement with a lot with with the biblical foundation of our conversation. So I want to start with simply the the unimpeachable facts of first century Israel at the time. Um, can you, I, I, I know you can, so I'm anxious for you to do. Sure. Can you give some of those same um, uh, pillars and flags that indicate that there was no possibility in, in, in the first century that Jesus was a Palestinian? Sure. And, and let, let me say this first. Why are we even taking issue with this? Be, is it just merely historical details that we're battling over? No, it, it, is, it is what do people hear when they hear Jesus was a Palestinian? They hear that he was not a Jew, right? It, it, some would even say he was a Palestinian Jew, but the, the Jew part has pretty much been dropped out because the emphasis he was a Palestinian. So he was not actually... Jewish. That, that's one massive issue. And another massive issue is, well, you think Palestinian, you think anti-Israel somehow. Correct. So he was some anti-Israel person. And, and then the vast majority of Palestinians would, would be Muslims today. Correct. And for, and for centuries. So you now make him this foreign person, non-Jewish, anti-Israel from another religion. Correct. That's, that's what we're really uh, pushing back against this notion, and why are people trying to characterize them like that? When we get to the the martyr part, part yeah. even more. Okay, so what we know is that that there was a a region today. It's Gaza Strip, 
So on the, the, the southwest of Israel, the coast of the Mediterranean, that was inhabited by the Philistines for centuries. The, is, Israel was often at war with them. As, as a people, uh, they, they are pretty much wiped out, assimilated, gone from history by the time of Jesus. Uh, but there is a region there still called Philistia. Right. And you do have an occasional reference like Herodotus and some others several centuries before the time of Jesus where the, the region was referenced. Um, you, you would see the term Philistia used. So from, from once we get uh, Palestine or Palestinian. But it, it was a rare, uh, a rare reference. And we know at the time of Jesus that, that the Jewish people then were under Roman domination and that there were various areas. So the, there was the area of Judea. And so Jerusalem was part of that, the province of Judea. And that was famously under Pontius Pilate. Right. Uh, and so Jesus would have been a Judean, uh, also Jew. This, the same Greek word could be used for Jew or a Judean. That's how he would have been identified. And according to the gospel accounts, so remember the people who are talking about Jesus today believe the, the gospel accounts about his birth. In other words, how do we know about him historically? What's written there, right? Uh, okay. okay. And, and it tells us where he, was, where he was born in Bethlehem in Judea. Yes. So he's born as a Judean. He, he grows up in, in Nazareth in a small town in, in Galilee. So just a little bit, little bit north of there. Galilee being the province like Judea, not what we call the, 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 the northern part of Israel today. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so in another, another Roman province uh, and the New Testament emphasis, again, you and I would differ here, but the New Testament emphasis was he was born as king of the Jews and he died as king of the Jews. The restoration of Jewish sovereignty in the land of Israel was an earth shattering event. For Christians, it was a confirmation that God always keeps his covenantal promises. Today, we are blessed to see God's fingerprints in the modern miracle of the land of Israel playing out in our lives among the people and in the state of Israel. This year, on the occasion of Israel's 75th anniversary, the Genesis 123 Foundation has been privileged to bring together 75 Christian leaders from around the world to lend their unique voices, sharing their personal faith experiences relating to Israel and their in-depth insight into Israel's history, and spiritual significance, creating an historical, one-of-a-kind, high-end coffee table book, Israel the Miracle. Israel the Miracle's stunning imagery will fill your home with the hope of fulfilled promises and conversations about Israel. It's a perfect gift to anyone for any occasion, and most of all, to yourself. You'll also be a blessing to Israel, knowing that the proceeds will go to blessed Israelis of all backgrounds. Be a part of Israel the miracle and bring the land, the people, and the state of Israel into your heart and into your home. Visit IsraelTheMiracle.com to get your limited edition copy today. Well, that's so that's I, getting it. That's getting into the to, into the biblical piece. Although it's important to note because uh, I certainly don't know my New Testament, but when he was crucified, he, the, the the Romans put a sign on him that said "King of the Jews." Right? They were mocking him. But right. Right. So Jews. just to say. Right. So, so you're right. I did jump over to biblical text, but it's, it's simply to say that contextually he's born in, in Judea. He grows up in Galilee. So these, these Jewish provinces under the Romans, 
and the Gospels present him. This, this is the record that we have, whether someone accepts it or not. These are the early records that we have uh, about him. So uh, there is now a war, uh, the, the Jewish revolt against Rome from, from 66 to 74, uh, and really the, the climax of it is in the year 70 when the temple is destroyed. And according to Josephus, as many as a million Jews are, are killed and multiple thousands are crucified. So it's an absolutely horrific time of Jewish suffering. And, but the Jews have not been fully exiled from Jerusalem. Just many, many have been killed and the temple destroyed. So now uh, you go up to the year 132 and there's another uh, rebellion, the second Jewish revolt, this time led by a Jewish general named Bar Kokhba. And, and there's more success in this one until it's ultimately brutally put down with inflicting massive casualties on the Jewish people, ending in the year 135. And it is after this that the Roman Emperor, Emperor Hadrian banishes all Jews from Jerusalem. The, 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 the name is, is changed to a pagan name. And then he renames the area that whole area that had been Judea and, and the related provinces where Jews primarily uh, lived, he now renames it in an effort to mock the Jewish people Correct. and to distance them from their heritage. He now names it Palestine, going back to Israel's ancient enemy and using the, the name of that, that region of, that was Philistia. So this is now an attempt to separate the Jewish people from their homeland, to further dispirit them, and and to bring a crushing blow, and and mock them now with the, the name of one of their historic enemies. So Palestine, in that sense, as a name used for the entire region, did not exist until a hundred years after the time of Jesus. It would be like talking about Native Americans uh, here in the USA in the year 1500, so American Indians <laughs> uh, having a meal sitting under an American flag as part of the United States of America. It would, it would be that anachronistic. That's great. You know, there's another point when I was preparing, I had to go and look it up just to make sure I was remembering correctly. After sacking of Jerusalem in the year 70, the Romans issued commemorative coins that said Judea Capta. Um, mm -hmm. That Judea was not Palestina capta. It was it mm -hmm. was all Judea. Now, uh, if, if we were sitting in a court of law, someone might just say, "Well, that's circumstantial," but I think you you pretty much um, hit the nail on the head. Jesus, ex so so, except for maybe the historic awareness, and Jesus, whether ordained or not, was very knowledgeable as far as Jewish text. He was an Orthodox Jew. Um, he, the, 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 any use of the word palace, Palestina or pa Palestinian or uh, um, Philistines would have really only been in that biblical context of the the ancient enemy that had no longer existed. Yeah, I, I, again, you you have just a handful of references to to the name Pal Palestinian or, or Palestine associated, as I said, with the region of the Philistines some other parts of the ancient world then, but it was, it was absolutely, uh, as you said, the, the association that you would have as a first century Jew was the biblical text and the Philistine people. That's, that's the association that you would have. And if you talk to, to other, other people in the region, 
if you said, hey, I'm, I'm traveling to Palestine, which way is that? <laughs> they, they would not have sent you to Jerusalem. They, they would not, that, that would not have made any sense to them whatsoever. So if you had put Palestine into your ways um, uh, 2,000 years ago, you would have ended up on the Gaza coast, maybe. Yeah, maybe, right. And it would be, it, and you would get walking directions versus driving directions, <laughs> just, just as there were no cars and, and, and national Palestine. And probably no traffic. I, yeah. and you know what's so fascinating, though? Wait, just to show how, how things can change, you know this, but if you were in, in what was called Palestine in 1920, say, yeah. and went to hear the Palestinian Orchestra, Ah. It was Jews. So that's exactly the point I wanted to bring out. And I don't know if I ever shared this with you. My father was born here in 1937. When he was born, the only people referred to as Palestinians were, were, um, were the Jewish people. So my father was a Palestinian. And when I say that, it people's eyes kind of bulge and freak out because they say, oh, you don't look Arab. And where do you get the name Feldstein from? So I get to explain it, which, by the way, also for a from a perspective of accuracy, I always try and refer to those who use the term Palestinian today as Palestinian Arabs, because in a similar way that you were speaking of Native Americans, perhaps, I'm a Palestinian Jew. If you want to define this as land, which 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 the Ottomans called it Palestine and the, and the, and the British called it Palestine, um, if you want to define it as Palestine, it's great. And, and they're basically two main religious ethnic groups who live here um yeah and, and you know it's so it's things have have shifted yet again in other words now to say palestinian you mean a non-jew a non-israeli someone hostile to the national aspirations right. of, of israel whereas if you just go back a few generations it was in the op- the opposite look the jerusalem post was the Palest- palestine post Right. Which, which again, my, I was going to say before, by the way, my mother always wanted the, me to be a lawyer. This is about as close as I get, um, taking taking the Palestinian Jesus to trial, so to speak. Yeah. But but a, 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 a court might say, well, that's just circumstantial. It was, uh, you know, th- that's what they called it because that's what the land was called. But but certainly, clearly, there's historic evidence that we just talked about from 2000 years ago and 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 modern evidence. Matter of fact, I always I, when when I want people to think about it, I'll talk. I'll say, well, what if on May fourteenth, nineteen forty eight, David Ben Gurion stood in front of um, those assembled in Tel Aviv, declaring the, uh, so, the the sovereignty, the restored sovereignty of the Jewish people, and decided instead of calling it the the, the state of Israel, call it the state of Palestine? What would what would our neighbors have have called themselves? I it, it, it's just. Um, it's just, and again, I want to underscore our people shouldn't listen to this as me dimi- uh, diminishing the the very simple reality that there is a large Arab minority here, many of whom are proud Israeli citizens and serve in the army and, and are elected to government office, and many of whom aren't and don't want to be Israeli, and, and frankly, most Israelis don't want them to be Israeli. So so that's a, it, it's fascinating. Now, now, We've before before we jump into the biblical stuff, which is kind of hard not to cross that line as you did, and I don't that in a bad way. Is there anything that historic, anything else that's historic that just jumps out as being one of those red flags that no, Jesus never could have heard the word and never would have considered himself a Palestinian? No, there's just the, the we have we have a good amount of literature from from that time. We have the New Testament documents. We have Josephus. 
then we have the the Roman historians uh, writing about things in the in the the decades after. Generally, uh, as I understand their work, it, it was not like reporting the news today. They wanted events to unfold. They they wanted to look back with a certain perspective before they wrote about a certain time frame. So you do have these these texts with broad overviews. You also have the um, the early followers of Jesus now begin to to write a lot of literature, and then different groups break off with some heretical ideas. They begin to so we have a lot of stuff that's written there, and you simply will not find in 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 documents about that time references to that part of the world as Palestine. It's it simply doesn't exist. Uh, I mean, you could. We we could we could beat this over and over and over and right. over, but historians don't argue about this. This right. this is not the kind of thing where you'll see. Oh, there's actually a heated debate among top historians. There there isn't, and and when people <laughs> would refer to Jesus as a Palestinian, they they were making a polemical contemporary point rather than a historic point because there, there's no historical foundation for it whatsoever. Great. So let's jump into. The, the the biblical text and I think um, with the exception of various Talmudic uh, passages that probably I'm not sure that we want to get into there's not really Jewish text um, re- relating to Jesus and his um, ethnicity being a Jew his religion um, and, and and I'll just kind of lay out what I know as an Orthodox Jew as far as the New Testament it describes Jesus's lineage. Um, as being from King David, who happened to be a Jewish king of uh, of Israel, who we read about a lot in the in the uh, Old Testament, um, he participated in countless Jewish rituals. He debated. And I, I love it actually. He debated and was preaching Jewish law. He participated in worship in the temple, right? Something that's so close would so would have been so close to my house, and which we pray to uh, to have again. And he actually did it. That that is awesome. Um, his Last Supper was a was a Passover Seder, not an, a Muslim iftar, a breakfast. Uh, what else? What are the other foundations? Help me, uh, help me, help the listeners understand sure. that that we know. Uh, he in in teaching a Samaritan woman, whom the Jews looked at as kind of half breeds, he told her that salvation is of the Jews. Uh-huh. These are the words of, of Jesus in, in John chapter four, verse verse twenty-two. Um, his the, the writer of of many books of the New Testament, you may know as the Apostle Paul. Yeah. Uh, but his he would have had a Hebrew name and a Greek name, so Shaul and Paulus. This would have been customary because he was a Jew that was born in in Tarsus, so he was a Roman citizen. But he boasted of his of his lineage. Uh, as as a Benjamite uh, Israeli, right. and consistently uh, presented Jesus as the Messiah of Israel, as did all the the New Testament writers. When you mention uh, r- rabbinic texts, there is dispute as to which Talmudic texts do in fact speak of of Yeshua as Yeshu. Do they speak of him? Do they speak of someone else? But if they do speak of him, even if they are derogatory, he's recognized as a Jew. Correct. In other words, the derog- if it is him that's being spoken of, he was a Jew that led other Jews astray. But but no one questioned whether he was a Jew. That was never the issue. And what's fascinating uh, is is 
when you go through some of the texts, like John the seventh chapter, you see that the the Greek the Greek word Judas, which is used, uh, clearly in many cases means Judean, and that that Jesus is is going into Judea and is interacting with leaders in in Judea. So those are the terms that are being used. That you you find constant reference to Jews and Judeans, and this is where the drama unfolds. And let's remember that Muhammad doesn't come on, on the scene for almost 600 years. Right. And that there's no such thing as Islam at, at that time. Nor were there any other groups in the world who had any aspirations to a homeland in, in Judea, Samaria, Israel. It, it was the people of Israel that, that God scattered and promised to bring back. And, and that was the only one. That, that's why... Even in the 20th century, uh, when, when your father was born in, in 1937, even then, there was not such a thing as a, the longing for a Palestinian homeland of the Arabs who lived there. There was no such concept. And, and this had been under Islamic control on and off for centuries under the Ottoman Empire and still is just considered an extension of Syria, things like that. There was never a notion of a Palestinian homeland for the Arabs living there. Again, it's, it's not to say that we don't want them to have a homeland and to, to dwell side by side peacefully with, with their Israeli neighbors. It's to simply say, however far back you go, the only ones that ever had this is a homeland and, and, and the place to which they longed to come back and the, the place where three times a year the, the Jewish men would come into Jerusalem to worship is the Jewish people. Correct. And and you even have Yeshua as as a boy, twelve years old, going with his parents up to Jerusalem for Passover, because that's what Jews did. This was their land. This was their their temple. They were just under Roman domination, so they were under the domination of different peoples: the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Greeks, the Romans. But this was their homeland. I want to pause in the conversation for just a moment to invite you to join us in one of the really incredible programs that we do as part of the Genesis 123 Foundation. This year, we have been going out all throughout the Judean mountains to show love to soldiers who are stationed keeping us safe from the threat of terrorism. It doesn't matter if we're in a burning heat wave or temperatures below freezing before the wind chill. They are out there guarding strategic points that have a high risk of terrorism. And thanks to the support of many people like you, we are pleased to bring them homemade hot soup in the cold of winter, and cold drinks and sweet watermelon in the heat of summer. Any donation is meaningful and helps us to bless the soldiers. You can join us and donate at genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. That's genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. And when you do, you also have the opportunity to send along your own personal words of thanks and blessings to the soldiers guarding the land and protecting the people. Please join us. What are the top three? If you, uh, you, you, you pro- for all I know, you probably do, but you don't need to have a Bible in front of your head because it's committed to your memory. But what are the what, what are the top three um, verses or 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 scenes, if you will, in the New Testament that affirm Jesus as a Jew? Or, or, or even essential pillars, because there's one that I'm thinking about that you didn't mention that I'm curious. If you don't, I want to come back to. Well, why don't you mention the one? Because, you know, when you, when you ask that question candidly, yeah. um, it, it's like, okay, the wall behind you 
which <laughs> stone is is uh, is a Jerusalem stone? You know, it's it's every one. I mean, I can't okay. I can't okay. think of a, okay. a line or a syllable in the New Testament that doesn't go in harmony with this. So I'll but let me hear the one Fair. you said left out. And then I'll so so I'm just thinking about if we we know we share in common that the Messiah needs to come from the house of David, and and. And in the new, and I don't know the source of the of the scripture uh, in the New Testament, but but the New Testament depicts his lineage very clearly, going back to David. That that jumps out to me as a as not just, if you will, evidence that he was a Jew, but but a necessary proof. Yes. So Matthew starts his Matthew starts his gospel, and, and you did you did reference that earlier. So Matthew starts his his gospel. Uh, which is simply Basora, good, good news, and writing in particular to Jewish people. Okay. The, the, the references there indicate that he especially wanted to write to Jewish people. So he starts by saying that, that this is the genealogy of, of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and then goes and gives his, his lineage uh, from Abraham down uh, to his earthly father, Joseph. Then in the second chapter of, of Matthew, uh, it is said that he is born in Bethlehem in fulfillment of, of the prophecy. So again, Bethlehem is not a Palestinian city or, or West Bank or, you know, wherever, or Gaza, you know, whatever notions people may have. Bethlehem is a historic Jewish city, and this is where, where David ultimately comes from. Okay, so this is right in the heart of, of Israel. So he's, he's born there. And then they say, we've come to worship the one who's born king of the Jews. Uh, and who's the, who said in, that? Who's the, the, the wise men, the magi, okay. Okay. right? Which is what gets Herod worried. Like, what king of the Jews? I'm going to have a, a competitor here. Uh-huh. Uh, and then when he dies, as you said, it's the inscription over the cross. This is Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews, which they obviously did in a mocking way. Like, your yeah. king is dying on a cross, being crucified. But so born king of the Jews dies king of king of the jews says that he didn't come to abolish the law or the prophets but to fulfill um in the 10th chapter of, of matthew when he sends his ptolemy deem out to preach says go only to the lost sheep of the house of israel so so first and foremost i'm, I'm coming to bring this news to them and and then what's what's really interesting is that uh when he's denouncing religious hypocrites, he, he then pronounces woes over Jerusalem as previous prophets had, but indicates that, that he will not return until a Jewish Jerusalem welcomes him back as the Messiah. Hey. So this is an, an, another looking at, at the cycle here. Uh, it, it says in, in Zechariah 14 that the Lord will come and his feet will touch down on the Mount of Olives. The New Testament says that Yeshua ascended to heaven from the Mount of Olives. Obviously, every time you take a tour of Israel with people, you bring them to these very places, you know, the Mount of Olives. And, and Christians will say, this is where he ascended to heaven. This is where he's returning. Right. And, and so w- when you bring people on a tour to is- Israel, say, this is where it all happened, and this is where it's going to all end. Yeah. So it's that cycle right there, same place, same cities, and, and, and on and on. And what's interesting is when, when Paul speaks of him as Messiah, he says he came to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, that, that we know that, that God still loves Israel because he gave these promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and his love is unchangeable. 
So that, that's, that, that's demonstrating a continuity, not a break. Exactly, exactly. So um, the, the story is a Jewish story from beginning to, to end. I, I mean, even at the end of the New Testament, when you're looking into the time of a new heavens and a new earth where there's no death and pain and suffering, uh, what's the city that comes down from heaven to earth? It's the new Jerusalem. Okay. So, so again, the, it's it's this this cycle which is is all coming back to Israel, Jerusalem, Jewish people to the point, as I said, that the question had to be addressed: What about Gentile followers of Jesus? Because they they would have felt like second class citizens, uh, and no, they could be welcomed in just the same. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, I think that pretty much nails it. Our our court has heard the, the the testimony, the evidence. But let me ask you a question. Is there anywhere in the New Testament that in any way disputes or questions Jesus's lineage or his authenticity as a Jew? Oh, no. The only question of his lineage, because the New Testament reports he was born of a virgin, was people saying, well, you were just born in sexual immorality. In other words, you were a Jewish man growing up in our Jewish community, and you were born in, in sexual immorality. So if there is a, a dispute, well, obviously, dispute about him being born of a virgin, etc. But there's never, you could read every line in the New Testament. You could read it in Greek. You, you could read it from a thousand, you, you could be a critical scholar, look at it from every possible angle. And no one ever disputes this any more than anyone disputed that he was a, a male. For every, the same with his first followers. That was never the debate, whether they were Jews or not. That, that was not the debate for a split second. The debate was, was Jesus the, the Jewish Messiah or, or not? In, in fact, you know the ones who tried to argue that Jesus was not Jewish? It, it was Nazi theologians. They presented him as Aryan, and they tried, oh. they tried to, because this was— Oh, well, that'd be very were, convenient, right? Yeah, they, these were professing Christians, so how yeah. could Jesus be a Jew when the Jews are parasites and wow. arch enemies, right? So the, these abominable hypocrites— uh, began to write about this, and they even put out a Nazi version of the New Testament. But they had to cut out all these verses from it. Yeah, it was like three pages. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, salvation is of the Jews and, and all these things. Wow. Even Paul's vision for the end of the age is that the Gentile nations will come and put their faith in Jesus and, quote, all Israel will be saved. That that it sees the future of Israel as bright and beautiful because this is Israel's Messiah after all. So again, when, when people say Jesus was a Palestinian, first it is, as I said, just as anachronistic here. It, it's as anachronistic as we say, as me saying that Abraham Lincoln flew, uh, took a plane and flew in to, to deliver his speech at Gettysburg before there was ever such a thing as a, as a plane. Correct. So before there was ever such a thing as a Palestinian, referring to first century Jews, you're naming a Palestinian. But then in doing so, you're trying to separate his historic connection from Israel. Remember, he, he never left Israel. At one point, he, go, he, he walks up to, to Tyre and Sidon. So that, that would be like Lebanon uh, to reach a Gentile woman and to kind of open the door. Even then, she has to plead with him, saying, look, I know that healing and all this belongs to the Jews, and I'm not a Jew. I, I where, know that where, where's that verse? Yeah, so it's in Matthew 15 okay. and in Mark 7. Okay. And in fact, how is he referred to often in the New Testament? Ben David, Ben David, yeah. son of David. Right. She, so she even, she even recognizes that he's the son of David. And in the Talmud, Ben David is, is a title for, for the Messiah. 
Right. So the son, the son of David. So again, it's it's Jewish from from beginning to end, from from first to last. And the, when you refer to him as a Palestinian, you're now you're, you're you're separating him from his historic people. That's that's one thing. You're you're giving a hint as if he's of another religion, and then the whole purpose of his death, and, and according to the New Testament, is that he willingly lays himself down as a mediator saying, as a righteous one, let the punishment that is deserved by my people, let it come on me, and I'll die in their place. So for the Jewish people and the people of the world, that's what Christians believe about the cross. To turn him into a martyr, now you think he was a freedom fighter who blew himself up. Right. These are the types of images. Blew himself up to kill Israelis, right? So it it is so misguided. Now, if someone said he was a brown-skinned, first century Jew. Great. Good on that. Seems to be a description in the mission about Jewish people in that day. Mentions boxwood as kind of the skin color as opposed to the Ethiopians. So Africans on the one hand and Europeans, Germans on the other hand. Great. If you want to say, you know, he wasn't a Caucasian and color like me. Agreed. Absolutely. He was Middle Eastern, first century Jew. We we agree with all of that. But again, he was no more a uh, a reverend that he was a mufti. He was right. a rabbi. He, he was he was no longer no more a, a gentile than that he was a Chinese astronaut. I, I mean, it's can the two coexist at all? Can can referencing Jesus as a Palestinian um, coexist with the the biblical and historic reality of Jesus being a first century Jew? No, no. Okay. Uh, both in terms of what the word would have meant then, which would have been un- unknown or never applied in that in that regard, and based on what it means now. So what's interesting, Jonathan, is that through the centuries, when it was called Palestine, so that's what it was called, right? Which is why your your father was a Palestinian Jew, right? Um, and you know, I've, I was reading the words of of one former Muslim, and he was saying. That in in uh, 1966 he was a uh, a Jordanian. In 1967 he was a Palestinian. You now suddenly the mentality changed and the vocabulary changed. But I I think it's it's so important that by grounding things rightly in history, then we can make proper application for today, and and and, and we can work in a way that gets beyond the the volatility and the and the anger and the false narratives. Uh, and 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 try try to get to truth in in a way that brings harmony and understanding. Right. And especially if you want to talk about the figure of Jesus, he was not the one calling down fire on his enemies. He was the one laying down his life for his enemies and, and seeking to emulate what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so you, you're not unfamiliar with Israel. I mean, being here, history, the land, the people, and 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 then the. Judean Samaria, which is currently divided into areas A, B, and C with full Palestinian autonomy and full Israeli autonomy and a, and a hybrid in the middle. What do you say to, I mean, it, it, it's it's very complicated, but what do you say to Palestinian Arab Christians who support this theology, who, who embrace it and promote it? Right. So first, something very interesting is that on a regular basis, with with uh, Christian friends of mine who are working in, in the Middle East and the surrounding Muslim world, when they see Muslims come to faith in Jesus, often 
they become oh. great lovers of Israel and the Jewish people. It's it's yeah. a fascinating thing. That it's th- their eyes are open. They realize they've been so wrong about other things, and and now now they see things through different eyes. In fact, I was at one meeting in the states, and a big Egyptian guy comes up to me. He was a former terrorist. He said, oh, I love to talk to rabbis flying to Israel. And they said, oh, what, what do you do for a living? He said, well, I used to kill Jews. <laughs> he goes, now, I, and this guy is a more passionate lover of Israel than you and I are. You know, I mean, almost over the top in terms of, and then I, I ran into another guy uh, that knew him. And he was, he was a former henchman for Yasser Arafat, now a passionate Christian and lover of Israel and the Jewish people. Wow. So- what I would try to do with, with Palestinian Arab Christians, uh, f- you have to have great empathy because they've grown up in a difficult situation. They've grown up as second-class citizens, being a small minority um, among the, the, the Muslim leaders and uh, not having full benefits and rights that, that many Israelis would have. So it's very easy for them to, to look in ugly ways at the Jewish people. And when I was part of a conference one, as the one and only pro-Israel speaker at a Palestinian uh, Christian conference, really an anti-Zionist conference that at times I've said crosses yeah. over into anti-Semitism. So they gave me carte blanche to speak freely, and I did I, I, w- with tears, but I, I really appealed to them to, to get rid of some of their wrong beliefs and uh, and and. and, and be a friend of Israel in this regard. So my heart goes out to them, but you must deal with the biblical text. Many of them have to allegorize it. Many of them cannot accept that God historically promised the land of Israel to the Jewish people. If you can get them to say, okay, God brought the Jewish people back and they have a sovereign right to the land and we should embrace that and accept that. And we may not be able to do this publicly, but utterly right. renounce the, the Hamases of the world and the others, right, that, that, that want to delegitimize Israel and wipe out the Jewish people from the state of Israel. So you, you, and I, I did challenge them to do that. You've got to utterly separate yourself from that and, and wrong ideologies where they exist among Palestinian Authority people. Remembering they've been raised with, with these false textbooks. They've been raised with textbooks that don't even show Israel that will still refer to it as Palestine. Right, and you can see someone's ideology by looking at the textbooks that they 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 use in their children's schools. To this day, there are still countries that just have Palestine in the map there. They don't even acknowledge Israel's existence. But if you can get them to accept that God brought the Jewish people back to the land in His love and mercy, get them to say, "Hey, you're not the only one suffering. Look at Jewish history. You you look at Israel as the e- evil oppressor. Look at Jewish history. R- r- remember." Uh, the horrors of the Holocaust. Remember Jewish persecution through the centuries. Remember how Jews were displaced in 47, 48 from surrounding Arab nations, 800,000, and, and had to flee for their lives. You're not the only ones going through a hard time. Now, how can we work together for, for a better world, for a better future for your kids, for, for real autonomy, for ability to, to make choices that you want to make for education and jobs and things like that? But start here with what the Bible clearly and literally says, and what the New Testament affirms. Yeah. The, the, the New Testament, Paul writes that Jesus confirms the promises to the patriarchs, not cancels them. He confirms them. And Jesus even talks about the Jewish people being scattered from Jerusalem and terrible suffering and the city being trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled, meaning there will be a Jewish restoration. So as Bible-believing Christians— 
That's where I make my appeal. Don't accept some radical liberation theology. Don't accept an allegorizing of the text. Accept what it says, because many struggle there. And yes. if you can accept that, that God brought the Jewish people back to that, it doesn't mean everything Israel does is good and right. Correct. You can differ with that. Correct. But recognize that, then we can work from there. Friends, Israel's at war, and the war may get worse before it gets better. Much worse. It's going to be a long war because the enemy is the epitome of evil. It's not just a matter of overcoming troops on a battlefield, but overcoming a theology, an ideology, an evil one. While the Genesis 1-2-3 Foundation has been overwhelmed with the support of so many donations to the Israel Emergency Campaign, there's so much more that needs to be done. We've invested your donations that we've received so far strategically to make the biggest impact possible whether helping with soldiers and their equipment and personal needs, to providing civilian security for outlying border communities, to relocating and settling several families from near the Gaza war zone, launching the global petition drive to support Israel in the face of pressure for a ceasefire and long-term needs for at-risk children, traumatized now more than ever before. Please take a moment to pause this conversation right now and go to love.genesis123.co and donate generously. We value your trust, and we will keep all donors informed about how and where your donations are being used to contribute to make the biggest impact possible. And when you use that link, love.genesis123.co, you can also send your prayers and words of encouragement to Israelis of all backgrounds just sending your love, something that we need so desperately. Thank you, and God bless you and your loved ones. Well, that's awful optimistic. It's too bad more of the Palestinian Arabs aren't Christian and, and, and can hear that message because there's another whole hurdle maybe for another conversation about how to uh, make that case to Muslims who, who uh, mm. don't really um, look at either the Old or New Testament as being more than pieces to copy and paste from. Um, talking about Jews and Christians. Um, Jew, Jews listening to this, listening perhaps even to you specifically, but uh, but listening to this saying, okay, well, what do I care if, um, if, if people call Jesus Palestinian? And Christians listening to this saying, okay, well, what do I care? Jewish, not Jewish, it doesn't really matter. Um, how does that affect me? I'm not involved in that, in, 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 that, in that fight in, in Israel and the Middle East. What? Right, so let me yeah. speak to a Christian first. If Jesus is not the Jewish Messiah, he's not your savior. If he's not the king of the Jews, if he did not come in fulfillment of biblical prophecy, then, then he's not your savior. He's the savior of the world because he's the Messiah of the Jews. That's one thing. The second thing is a Jewish Jerusalem must welcome him back. And, and Paul says that the Gentile Christians must provoke Israel to jealousy. So if you don't care about his Jewish roots, that means you don't care about his Jewish return either. So if you want to see him return, you need to recognize the importance of these things. For a Jewish person, I'd say, okay, you don't believe in Jesus. You're not interested in, in Yeshua. That, that's not your issue. Obviously, I, I wish you would look into him more. Uh, read the real kosher Jesus. You know, read, <laughs> read Shmuley's kosher Jesus and my real kosher Jesus. But what I'd say is this. Uh, over 2 billion people around the world profess faith in, in Jesus. Almost one-third 
of the world's population. Now, obviously, many, many of those people are Christian in name only. But Jesus is important to them. And Jesus is also important in the Muslim world. Um, he's not considered the Son of God, but he is considered the Messiah in, in the Quran and in the Muslim world. So now you add in another, what, billion and a half plus. Uh, you're, you're talking uh, about four billion people uh, view Jesus as the Messiah. Obviously, Christians in different ways than Muslims. So he's an important person to them. If, if he gets recharacterized as a Palestinian, now it means that all these people are following a, a leader who is more identified with the Palestinian cause than the Israeli cause, is more identified with a religion other than the religion of the Bible. Yeah. So it, it is important, even, even to a secular Jew, because, look, we, we know the effect of, of referring to the, to the Arabs in particular who were displaced uh, with, with the war and, and with fleeing Israel, uh, the, the nascent state of Israel. We know the semantic battle that's been, been won by referring to them as Palestinians, and this is the Palestinian homeland, and this has been Palestine for centuries, therefore this is our homeland. So we know the importance of semantics. If Jesus can be identified as a Palestinian, now you've got this massive semantic sledgehammer yeah. to use to further push for Palestinian identity. This is the land of, 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 of the Arab peoples and not the land of the Jews. To the extent Jesus is recognized as a first century Jew who grew up in the land of Israel, yeah. ah, now it changes the whole picture and narrative. Right. And, and, and you and I both, and, and, and I know a lot of, I, I, I hope, I pray, everyone listening to this has a sense of historical integrity, just integrity period, so that yeah. we can disagree, we, you and I, uh, us and, and the, the Palestinian Arabs who are promoting this agenda and, and, and billions of people around the world who have different beliefs or, or, or understandings on things, but, one, but, but things have to be based on fact. And, and yeah, maybe there could even be loose interpretations of fact, but fact is still fact. You, what, what's the saying? You can have your own um, uh, narrative, but you can't have your own fact. Uh, you can have your opinion, your own opinions, but you can't have your own facts. Right. And, and I, I subscribe to that. And I love, and I love that opportunity. Um, l l let's just wrap up. Uh, um, most of the people listening are Christian, listening to this program. I hope that we'll get a lot of Jews and a lot of uh, neither Christians nor Jews. If we were live streaming today in every church in the world, what's your message to individual Christians about this issue of of why it why it makes a difference? I mean, you've you've said it, but but maybe now the the kind of the uh, the, the grand slam, if you will. Um, and what and what's your message to the church? What does yeah. it mean for the church where this is being embraced? In, in bits and pieces. So what if what if someone has been reading my material, but they actually think that they don't they don't have the name of the person. They actually think that I am a woman from China living in the eighteen hundreds. Well, a whole lot of what I write won't make any sense. Uh, a whole lot of the perspective they'll be reading it through different eyes. And you can go through that with various other scenarios, right? So the same way when you misunderstand fundamentally who Jesus is, when you don't fundamentally grasp him as a first century Jewish rabbi, 
as one coming for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, as the Messiah of Israel, as one who will return to Jerusalem with his own, when his own people welcome him back and he won't return before then, then a whole lot of what you read will be read wrongly, will not make sense, will, will be taken out of context. So just with any relationship, right? Uh, I, I, was, I was watching a little video clip on YouTube and it was some news bloopers. And there's a couple, some British TV show introducing their guest, who's this courageous guy who climbs mountains and does all of these heroic things. And there's some guy sitting there, looks like a kind of portly professor. And they turn to him because you've got the wrong guest. He said, I'm not that person. He's like, oh, and it was really funny. Well, that's how it is here. You know, get him right. Get him right for who he is. Then everything else falls into place. And then the beauty of Jew and Gentile coming together as one in him. That makes sense. Also this, Jonathan mentioned at the outset of the broadcast, my book, Our Hands Are Stained With Blood, the tragic story of the church and the Jewish people. It came out in 92, was continuously in print until 2019 when we put out a new updated and expanded edition. It's essential reading for every Christian, and it gives Christians an insight as to how many Jews see Christianity. They see it through the lens of the Crusades and the Inquisitions. They, They see it as something hostile to the Jewish people. Um, you can talk to a religious Jew, and in their mind, there's a straight line from the New Testament to the Holocaust. I right. mean, it's, it's that brutal. It's that, it's that ugly. And this is just another attempt to separate Jesus from the Jewish people and Jewish history. It's, it's just another attempt to do that. And, and we must see it for what it is as, as part of Christian repentance when they realize about the past, because I've spoken to Christians around the world, and they're shocked to hear of this history. It's so foreign to them. Correct. And around the world, I've seen this great love for Israel and the Jewish people and belief that God himself brought us back to the land. Don't let a, a new wedge of deception come in. Don't, don't let a new weapon come in to further separate yourself from the Jewish people or, or, or batter them. Recognize this for what it is, a, a modern anti-Israel attempt to spread further anti-Semitism and further anti-Zionist sympathies by making Jesus into a first century Palestinian. Recognize it for what it is and be a truth teller. At the same time, let, let your Palestinian friends know, let, let Christian Arabs know you care about them and you want to see what's best for them, but you will not stand for lies and the defaming of the people of Israel and the defaming of Yeshua. Last question. Well, what, what happens if this continues to seep into the church? Then we have, I've got to write another book of, of more <laughs> repentance. It, it, will, it will lead to this. It will lead to the further marginalizing of Israel and the Jewish people. It will lead to further world political pressure, perhaps some disastrous agreement that Israel has to make. It could literally lead uh, to, to loss of many Jewish lives because of political pressure. I mean, we may look at it like a political debate in Israel, but it, uh, it, it's it's when you live there, it's, it's human lives at stake. It's safe borders. It's policies that respect the integrity of, of, of the Jewish homeland. And that could really be at risk. In other words, it's not just theoretical. It works itself out to the person on the street. Wow. Um, Dr. Brown, I know, I knew that when I thought of you for this topic, um, I, I probably found one of the best people in the world who could address it. I will revise that. I'm sure I did find the best and I'm, I'm so grateful. This has been enlightening. 
um, articulate and passionate as always. And, and I'm grateful for you and your friendship. And it, it means the world to me. And I think it's so important to model that you and I, if we really pressed our differences, I mean, they're very deep and passionate, but what joins us together is so deep as fellow Jews, as fellow lovers of, of the people of Israel and, and wanting to please the God of Israel. So it's, and of course, I've been in dialogue like this with some rabbis for, for many years. And we'll, I mean, we'll battle out issues for years and years, but we're dear friends. And I have the utmost respect for you and what you do and, and your integrity, just being forthright. This is who you are. And wherever we can intersect and I can be of help, it's, it's my joy. It's, it's, it's a reciprocal joy and blessing, and I'm grateful. Let me um, just wrap up the, the, the program with a couple of other thanks. Um, we always have to thank our sponsors. Um, first of all, the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia. Um, if you're ever in the area and need something the greenhouse has, go to the Willow Run Greenhouse and get it from them. And if you're in the area but don't need anything from a greenhouse, just go and say thank you. Give them a hug and thank them for helping sponsor um, really important uh, conversations like this. And also to the Coin family for their meaningful uh, sponsorship. Um, I'm grateful we seem to be getting sponsors of our episodes who are very generous but very anonymous. So I'm grateful to this week's anonymous sponsor. And everyone is invited to sponsor a future episode, whether whether anonymously or um, or or in public, in honor or memory of a loved one or a special occasion. And, and definitely feel free to be in touch with me at the at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com or genesis123.co. Uh, we'd love to hear your comments, as always, as part of a dialogue and invite you to be in touch with any questions about any topic, any time, specifically to send questions to our Ask the Rabbi segment that we try to do once a month. And please share this. This is an important one. I, I, I don't want to sound rhetorical, but uh, this is a real important conversation, and I pray that it will be shared. Um, shared widely and people will, will hear it and, and embrace it. Um, share this as widely as possible um, and join us here for other meaningful conversations that relate to Israel and uh, that you probably won't hear anywhere else, wherever you are in the world. I pray that you and your loved ones, especially at this season, are all safe and healthy and send my blessings right here from the Judean mountains um, in Israel to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Hallelujah.